the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Thanks so much uh, for joining me today. Hope you're enjoying the day, enjoying the beautiful snow on the peak. And it didn't snow in town, so that for me, that was a blessing. I'm kind of <laughs> over the snow at this point. So Pastor Brady Boyd is with me, Senior Pastor of New Life Church. And Brady, something I'm really excited to talk about is the combining of New Life Midtown and ABC uh, Church. And right in our neighborhood of Rocky Mountain Calvary, and I was really excited to to see the combining uh, take place. But do you mind sharing the story with me? No. Austin Bluff Church has been in Colorado Springs for 38, 39 years. Mm. And coming out of COVID, they just they just had a hard time recovering from the COVID lockdown. Uh, they had a pastor, the, the the pastor that had been there for many years, uh, had uh, stepped away. So the church was in a place of crisis. And back in late January of this year, I, I just kind of really overheard a conversation about the church having a, co- a congregational vote about selling their building hmm. and just really going out of business and you know shutting their building down. And I was just grieved by that. So I reached out to the pastor. I'd, I'd never met him before. Um, and I called him and I said, hey, is there any possibility of us combining our churches? I have a midtown congregation that's a mile away from you that's using rental space. Is there a way I could buy your building so that we, you know, it doesn't turn into a daycare center or a yeah. workout gym, but it can remain a church? I said, that area of town, every area of town, we need churches. We need right. life-giving churches. And I said, I would just be heartbroken if that building was not used for its original intent. And to my surprise, the pastor and the elders uh, went to prayer and we had, I mean, hours and hours and hours of meetings and conversations. And it turned out that at the, in the end, Austin Bluffs Church voted 52 to th- or 53 to 2 to combine their church with our church. And on the Sunday before Palm Sunday, we uh, moved into the building mm. Midtown brought their entire congregation of about 300 people there. Since that time, it's almost tripled in size. We had 900 there at Easter. And it, and I'm just so grateful for the willingness of two churches, instead of competing and conflicting with one another, mm-hmm. there was a sense of unity that just swept over the whole transaction. Mm. And I'm actually writing a book right now on what the what, what is the biblical idea of unity. What what is it, what what is it and what what is it not? I mean, yeah. so I've, I'm about eight chapters into this full length fifty thousand word book, and but the opening story is this story mm. of how two churches really from different denominations were non denominational. They were a part of the assemblies of God. How two churches with two different denominational governmental structures, different oh, bylaws, different bylaws, different staff, different histories. How they we were able to overcome all those those really could have been roadblocks, and instead we saw something beautiful happen. Mm. I, I one of the stories I love is the first day. You know the church had been struggling; they were down to fifty people in a four hundred and fifty seat auditorium, mm. and you know that's that's just discouraging. It if is, you're a member yeah. of the church, you show up. There's no one there. Well, on the first Sunday that we combined, 
and 300 of our Midtown people showed up, and then probably another 100 well-wishers showed up, the place was overflowing, standing room only for the first Sunday. And the original members who had held on so strongly there were overcome by emotion, Hmm. just weeping, just out of joy to see their church come back to life. And what? And it was two weeks before Easter, and I thought, mm. what a great resurrection story in our city yeah. where a church like ours, who was renting space, and it wasn't great rental space either. It was kind of really, we had a lot to overcome in that building we were renting, and shared parking areas, and the ceilings were low, and it wasn't a great environment, quite honestly. To, to suddenly have a church building combined with us, given to us, basically, yeah, and the place just be bursting now with new people. Used for they, God's glory. I yeah, love it. 40 people baptized there on uh, the weekend after Easter. Just just a, a great story. And people don't hear those kind of stories. We hear the bad stories of the splits or the divisions. Yeah, Christians the fighting. Yeah. But we don't hear the stories of Christians cooperating. Yeah. And more of that is happening than most people know. And this is that, that story to me is, it gave me hope, first of all, that there were God-fearing, Jesus-loving, Scripture-believing people in this town that were willing to work together. Yeah. They were not as divided as as people think we are. Yeah. And while there's plenty of evidence to the contrary, I think most of the people I bump into who are leading churches are good-hearted people that, yeah. that want to do the right thing, and they want, they want the church to grow. They want people to come to Christ, and it's a very positive time, and that's a great story of redemption, both for Austin Bluffs, for their church, and for us. We, we needed space. And as you know, real estate's very expensive in Colorado Springs. It's very expensive to buy property, build yeah. buildings, remodel. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's eight to $15 million to do anything of any size or significance in Colorado yeah. Springs. And it, I know that because we priced it. So think about spending eight to $15 million on a building. This building was given to us yeah what a joy i mean it's a miracle yeah quite honestly i have a good friend that goes to uh, new life midtown and he was talking from his perspective of this combining that happened and he was saying that uh austin bluffs community had like an open house for new life midtown and they they made cookies and they were all excited for new life midtown to come over and and kind of welcome them to this new building. Well, they stood com- at their front door and welcomed us in like someone would welcome you in from a, your, their front porch. He experienced that and it really touched his heart. He, he's like, this was so cool that, that they were so open and ready to receive new life Midtown. And it's a good reminder. I think we know this as believers, but we're the body of Christ as a whole, not new life and Rocky Mountain Calvary and ABC church. Like when God looks down he sees us as his family, the body of Christ, and we're thankful for the distinct churches, but we're one family of God. And so for those churches to combine and it be a kingdom win is really glory to the Lord. It's awesome. Well, yeah. every parent that's ever been on a road trip with kids in the back seat know how frustrating it is when your kids don't get along. Yeah. Right? And I think that's Don't make how, me pull over. <laughs> yeah, pull over. I think God's been wanting to pull over the car and, you know, set, straighten us out for a long time. And, yeah. We're, we've been the rowdy ones in the back seat, you know, and uh, I, but, but also contrarily, I think it gives him great pleasure mm-hmm. to look in, look in his mirror and see us getting along and solving our problems, you know, in a, in a good way. And I, I'm just we need more of that. Yeah, we, we need do. more of that in our city. And and quite honestly, that's the witness that the world needs to see. Yeah, they need to see the church getting along, working out their issues and. 
It's where two or more people are gathered together, there's going to be an argument. That's why (laughs) Jesus had to show up in the first place, right? That's why Jesus is there. Yeah. The referee, you know, so I think, I think we can model something different for the world. The world always looks at, at two competing ideas and they see it as a a war, a battle, a fight that's got to happen. And so in that scenario, there's a winner and a loser. When the kingdom of God, it doesn't always have to be that way. And I understand fighting evil with good. I understand all that. But I'm talking about among believers. Right. There doesn't have to be winners or losers all the time. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's look for ways to complement, build on each other's strengths, to, to build each other up and not tear each other down so quickly. And that, to me, uh, what happened with us in ABC Church, I think broke through some of that, that, that argumentative clutter that's out there. And it gave me hope that there are people that will do the right thing and for the right reason with the right motivation, um, it was very encouraging. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think as kind of culture and the world is dividing, for the church to be in biblical unity, it's an opportunity for the light of Christ to shine in a really bright way. You know, in John 17, Jesus prayed for our unity so that the world could see that we're followers of Christ, see the unity of the Father and the Son. And so to live out the family of God in, in unity it's a huge display of the reality of Christ because we're living in a very fractured culture and, and society. But I think when people hear that, they think, well, we always just get along and no, there's real disagreements and real things to work through, but we can do it because we have the scripture, we have the Holy spirit living inside of us, but it's worth really fighting for that unity to working together. And I think as in a sense, as culture gets more dark, we need each other more as believers. It's, it's time to press into each other and to, to build, like you said, off each other's strengths. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Well, stay with us. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Brady Boyd from New Life Church. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Thanks so much for joining me. Just to remind you, Crosswalk is Monday through Wednesday from 5 to 6. You can also catch us on podcast, Crosswalk Colorado Springs, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Pastor Brady Boyd's with me from New Life Church, really just celebrating what God is doing in our city. Brady, I'd love to hear what you're teaching through right now and kind of what's resonating in yeah. your heart in your teaching series. Yeah, we just started a series on First John, and I love the letter because, you know, when John the Elder, you know, there's a debate about who wrote First John and who wrote Second and Third John. Seems like it may be two authors, but irregardless, it was a guy named John. It's probably John the Elder or, or John the, the Apostle. Both were apostles and Anyway, the point I'm making is it was written during a time when the church was being really attacked. Hmm. And there were people inside the church that had broken away from those house churches. And then, and then they were coming back causing problems for the people who had stayed steady. And John's trying to settle their soul a bit. And I thought, this is exactly what's happening in the American church. It seems like there is a, an aggravation. There's been a separation of some people, people deconstructing their faith. Hmm. There's been some outside attacks, hostility toward the church. And so what would the church, what does the church in 2023 in America need to hear right now? I think it needs to hear John chapter, first John chapter one, God is light. Keep your hmm. eyes focused on the, who Jesus is. Yeah. Uh, I take you back to the beginning. He's using Genesis one language, John chapter one language. Yeah. Let me take you back to what you first believed. And I love that language. And I think sometimes at the church, 
What what we really need on Sundays when we gather is somebody to recalibrate us. Mm. You know, we've been if we're, if we're not careful, we don't even know how manipulated we are. But we're all leading very manipulated lives because of social media, the algorithms that we see with the digital world that we're all living in, right? With yeah. our screens that we're on. I mean, we're looking at a screen multiple times a day, and the content that is on those screens is carefully designed to move us toward people and causes that don't always benefit us. Mm-hmm. And think about how the other night, we were, my wife and I were talking about, it was, it was a cold, snowy night, and we said, you know, would it be great? Let's go to the Bahamas. You know, we were joking around, really, but yeah. let's go to the Bahamas. We've never been down there. We thought... Let's just see how much it costs to go down there for a week and get out of the cold. And we were just kind of talking about it over dinner. And my phone was right there. For the next seven or eight days, every place I went, ads for the Bahamas were popping up on my phone. Isn't that crazy? They were listening to me. And I thought, and it made me aware again, I was not unaware of this, but it made me aware again of how manipulated the information in front of me and I even I even told this to a, a member of my church recently. He was a, he was aggravated about something, and I said, "You know, you've been mad for about five years." <laughs> I said, "What what's causing this consistent anger in you?" Yeah, and it's because he and he could only trace it back to what he's reading every single day from various sources. And I said, "You know, they're trying to keep you angry, right? Right? They're trying to cause cons- constant anger in you because if you're angry, you'll come back to their content. Right? It's been proven that human nature. If you're mad." You'll come back to content that agrees with you. Yeah. To, to kind of alleviate your anger or justify your anger. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening. And I think, I think first John for me is a recalibration of the human soul. When they listen to what John was saying to the troubled church in the first century, it's get your eyes back on Christ. Quit being distracted by these foolish, these fables. He even, he even calls them out, you know, in first John, he calls them out. The false teachers, those who are trying to lead you astray. Uh, those who have tried to distract you from the truth. That language in First John is very 2023, and the, it makes the Bible very relevant to what we're living through today. Yeah. So I'm very excited about this. The next seven or eight weeks, we're going to march through the chapters of First John and really hit on all the key issues that that First John raises. Yeah, I think it's it's perfect. It's really well said. We really do need to be recalibrated and refocus on on who Jesus is and the joy that's in him. And First John's a great book. It's going to be a great series. Well, you think about 168 hours a week. And let's say, you know, let's say 56 of those are for sleeping. Okay. Well, that leaves, what, 112 hours of eye-opening content. You're 112 hours a week. You are receiving uh, information, either from from screens, from conversations like we're doing right now. And I, I had a guy who was aggravated with me about something, and I said, he was, oh, I know he's wanting me to, he was wanting me to address a particular pet peeve thing that he had. And I said, listen, for 112 hours a week, you're absorbing a lot of content, I can tell. Shouldn't there be one hour a week where you come to church and we talk exclusively about Jesus? Now, not ignoring the, the issues of our culture, sure. I'm not ignoring it, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I have... I don't mind addressing what the scriptures say about any cultural issue. Right. But the focus of church is Jesus. That's right. And if you're walking away from church talking about anything other than Jesus, you're not going to a good church. Right. You need to be talking about Jesus when you walk out of your church after Sunday. That's what a pastor's role is, right? Yep. My goal is for them not to remember me. Mm-hmm. I want to step out of the way. Yeah. I want to open the door to Jesus and then step away. Yep. 
and give them an opportunity to see the goodness of God, the grace of God, his forgiveness. And that's what church does. And people that are not gathering in a local congregation, I'm concerned for them because coming together, looking at one another, hearing one another, talking with one another, the gathered body of Christ is a place where you can recalibrate every single week. And I just want to encourage some of you that are listening, find a find a any church that preaches Jesus, yeah, and make up your mind that three or three or four times a month you're going to be with those people, yeah, and you're going to sit with them, and you're going to listen to them, and you're going to uh, bring your strengths and bring your weaknesses, and combine those to every and, and and you're going to be present with a group of people who love Jesus, yeah, and that's where you grow up. As great as live stream is, I mean, I know you live stream, we live stream, but it's really our hearts that that would be a bridge to bring people in to the body and that experience of corporate worship, that one another being in relationship and, and that recalibration because there's that recalibration in worship and hearing the word, but also like talking in the foyer, you know, and hearing someone's story and sharing your story, maybe getting into a small group. And, and there's something about, being in person with people, with God's people that you can't duplicate uh, in, a, in a live stream. You no, know? no doubt. Hugs and handshakes only happen when you're with someone. Yeah. And think about how important it is right now for our mental health, for our spiritual maturity to have hugs and handshakes. Yeah. And that physical presence, the physical touch, the, the, the ability to have human to human conversation uh, live streaming is exactly what you just said. It is not, uh, it's not an alternative. It's just a bridge. Yeah. So when your kids are sick or when you're traveling on vacation or when you just want something extra, but it does not meant to supplant or to replace the gathered experience of the church. Yeah. And it's a tool that I'll enjoy. I'll, I'll watch, I watch your services sometimes. I watch churches all over the city because there's yeah. really, really great communicators in our city. And I love the diversity of worship and preaching and personalities that we have all over town. So I'm always online watching some of you guys stealing your best ideas. <laughs> but but I just want to encourage people that are listening, don't don't give up on That's the right. gathered body. And yeah. part of the reason I say if you go to church and you don't leave aggravated sometimes, then you're not in a good church. But That's because right. church should unsettle you. Yep. It shouldn't it shouldn't always be conflict. I'm not talking about conflict but God's word's gonna do yeah, that. Yeah. You know, mm. it, it's just you don't cho- listen, you don't choose church. Church chooses you. Mm. And that's what God does. God puts the lonely into families, and, and and that's by his design. Let him lead you to a congregation, and then just make up your mind you're going to be faithful there for a whole year, an entire calendar year. Yeah. And then and, and just go there. Yep. Sit there. Find a place to serve. And you'll look up after a year, and a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the loneliness, a lot of the isolation that our culture is facing can go away because— Honestly, it, church is the best place to meet people. It really is. It, yeah. People that are out there right now that are listening, you say, you know, I just, I'm feeling lonely. I feel a despair. Go to church. And, and you say, well, you know, Pastor Brady, I have to sit by myself. I promise you, you won't be by yourself very long. Yeah. Uh, all of our churches, we look for people sitting by themselves. And I mean, my team, New Life Church, if you, you go two or three Sundays and see if you don't find somebody uh, that'll come up to you and introduce themselves to you. Church is the answer. Church is the antidote for most of our ills right now. Amen. I love it. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs. My host or my guest today is Pastor Brady Boyd from New Life Church. We're going to be right back after a break. Good God Almighty, I hope you'll find 
Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. It's a beautiful time of year. Things are greening up. Beautiful snow on the peak. Hope you're enjoying your drive, enjoying your day. Remember, this does turn into a podcast. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, anywhere you find your podcasts. Brady Boyd's with me from New Life uh, Church. And Brady, really just enjoying our conversation. And I know you're an author of some books and I published a, a book just uh, last summer, and yeah. tell us about your most recent book. Well, this idea we had, my wife and I have been at New Life for 15 and a half years. So for my 15th anniversary, I, I realized I'd get, I'd done like 430 sermons on a Sunday there in a 15-year period. And so I, just, I found the, my favorite 365 of them and crafted a, a daily devotional, 365 daily devotional uh that we that were that was based on an actual sermon that I had preached at New Life, and mm. uh, so it came out last August. It's on Amazon. It's called Oceans of Grace. If you're looking for some new devotional work, it's a it's a one page, seven to eight minute read every day. Uh, my wife and I wrote it together. Uh, it came out as a kind of a uh, you know as a memorial, kind of a celebration of my yeah. 15 years at New Life, and yeah. and I'm writing a book right now that I'm really excited about. It comes out next year. And we have it doesn't really have a title yet, but it's on the what we're talking about today about unity, yeah, and why it's so critical for the church to hold on to the, the to the spirit of unity the, and to look for ways to work together instead of uh, fighting with one another and against one another. Uh, too many di- to divisions, too much strife. Um, I com- there is a there is a healthy way to look at conflict. Like we sh- we should not be averse to conflict. But strife and divisions are pretty strongly warned against in, in the scriptures. True. Most of Paul, Paul's epistles were a direct uh, reflection of that. He was rebuking the church for that. And so I, I've just been intrigued by that over the uh, since since COVID, really. It, 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 I think COVID brought to the surface some of those things that were under just right underneath the, the waters in most of right. our churches. What totally got exposed during COVID. Yeah. And. I think it's time for the church to to step back and to take a look at what it means to be the body of Christ in a city and and really the body of Christ inside their own churches. Right. And I, I hope I hope every pastor reads the book that I'm writing because I think it will encourage them and help them. Uh, we've all navigated troubled waters the last five or six years, waters that we weren't trained to do in seminary. Um, and and all of us, all of us, listen, all of us are probably more tired. Than we care to admit right now, mm-hmm. of just for what we've been carrying around with yeah. us, and uh, I want to encourage people to, to encourage their pastor the next yes. few months, yeah. and come up on the summer months. Demand that your pastor take some time off, yeah. yeah, and restore his soul or her soul, you know, and make sure that they have a place where they can refuel and replenish and recharge. So important right now. So those are books I've been writing. Uh, Oceans of Grace is on Amazon if you want to inter- be interested in that and. Yeah. It's, it's, it was fun to do that because Pam writes a little blessing at the end where she blesses That's the fun. people that are reading it. It's really good. I had this one family. They've been doing the, the daily devotional every night before bed. And at the end of the devotional, it's called Pam's Blessing. My wife is named Pam. And so they have four little boys. And so they take turns every other night, one of them reading Pam's Blessings over the rest of the family. That's cool. And he said, he said, Brady, my two boys got into a wrestling match 
because they, he wanted to read Pam's Blessing, and he had done it two nights in a row. So they were wrestling on the floor. Dad, he read Pam's Blessing last night. It's my turn, and no, it's your turn. And they, I said, well, I don't, think I don't think they caught the spirit of the devotional yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. They were fighting over Pam's Blessing. <laughs> That's what I love about devotionals. You know, you, you can pick it up and read it, you know, in three or four minutes, five minutes. You can do it with your family, your spouse, your yep. kids. And so that's a great resource to pick up. Yeah, yeah, it was fun to do. I've never, I've always wanted to do that. And, but uh, I, until I, I got the idea about my sermons, I like, I don't, I don't know how to create that content and the flow of it. But with the sermon series that you have, you can do, you can kind of do a chronological yeah. You know, things. So we did that. It took several months to write, but it was fun, fun project. And, and I also I had to relive all of my sermons that I preached. And not yeah. all of them were great. I just want to let, <laughs> I realized now when I came here 15 years ago, I was a, I still am, but I was really a work in progress in those first few years so learning to preach. So you were an executive pastor at Gateway Church in Texas, right? Yeah, so, I was not. So I wasn't preaching every single week in Texas. So coming into the senior role at New Life, and then teaching every week. You you were growing in that yeah. teaching position. Yeah. Yeah. I realized well, I had some work to do. And, you know, Sundays come around with an alarming regularity. They do. And every every week. And I thought, As soon you as know, you're done, you're thinking about the next Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking, I, I just had, I, I was just so thankful that New Lifers gave me some grace back. I was 40 years old. I was young um, and green and trying to learn. And I was thankful that my church allowed me to grow up in front of them, basically, you know. I had the same experience. Like I started lead pastoring at 27 and just learning to teach, you know, those first two or three years, let alone all of the other things. And the church was very gracious to to walk <laughs> with me through that. <laughs> you were, I mean, yeah, you were, you were the same age as most people's youth pastors. Yeah. And there you were as a senior leader at, at RMC in Rocky Mountain Calvary. And when you look back on that, what would what would you tell your twenty seven year old self today? What 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 did you looking back? What would you tell uh, yourself? You know, to be transparent and honest, I think I lost sight of some important things in those first few years. You know, especially my my family. You know, like we had two young kids. We had, we have now have four kids, but I think I would tell myself and younger pastors like it's not worth getting so busy and so consumed that you lose that time with your kids. And I, I made the physical time, you know, I've set boundaries to make sure that I was home, but I wasn't present because my mind was wrapped up in sermon prep and decisions. Mm -hmm. And then I got down the road three or four years and I was like, I cannot live like this. This is not glorifying to God. It's not life giving to my family. There's gotta be a better way to do this. So it just, I allowed it to suck me in to a point where I I was lost in it in a negative way, if that makes sense. It's yeah. very common for pastors of any age, but it's also common. You're making a great point for people, business people, uh, people that are working in, in, in any any industry right now. Yeah. You can be home with your family, but not present with your family. Yeah. And our families and our friends deserve our presence. Yes. And it requires... Some boundaries, having something left in the tank, yeah, and and not make, making sure our family and friends don't get the last drops every yeah. every single night. It seems like our culture really lends itself to that. Like work gets everything, family gets the leftovers. I think God would have it the other way around. You know, we, we were. I was in Japan last summer on a trip with my son, and it's, it is pandemic there with their their workload. They work in six. It's very common to work seven, eighty, eight hours a week. Hmm. People are dropping dead on the subways from overwork. And they're having a cultural revolution over there right now where the young 20-somethings are saying, hey, we're not going to do what our parents did. Hmm. 
if they've seen the generational cost of of the workaholic world. And anyway, I think it's it's a great conversation to have with our churches, with our volunteers, with yeah. people that we're asking. I, I'm I'm always very aware that when I ask my volunteers to do something at New Life. They're coming off their jobs. They're right. giving me time from their weekend, from their yeah. weekend, yeah. and they're and they're giving me time that you know they're all working fifty or sixty hours a week plus serving at the church. Yeah. And we need to be very mindful of that that they're giving extra, and we need to be really thankful. Number one, yeah, but also mindful. Yeah, it's, and that reminds me of another book you wrote, "Addicted to Busy." <laughs> it's, it, it's right along the lines of, of all of this. And how as a culture we've we've really. We almost don't know what to do when we're not consumed with busyness, you know. Well, most of us don't know what to do with solitude. And that's the whole point of the, when I wrote that book, I was trying to learn to embrace the quiet. Hmm. And like the question I ask in the book is, when was the last time you had an unhurried conversation with your wife Hmm. or spouse? When was the last time you had unhurried time with your kids over a meal? Hmm. And most people cannot answer that question. It's very rare that we go into a conversation with someone that we love and we don't have, uh, we don't have, we have time boundaries, right? Looking like we're at looking watch, at the watch, yeah. looking at our phone. We're thinking about the next thing that's coming up yeah. and that we don't give ourselves fully to a conversation. We don't give ourselves fully to the relationship because we've got these time constraints that are pushing up against us over and over again. And I, I, I just, I love the book cause it, I, I, I wrote it to hold myself accountable quite yeah. honestly. Yeah. And uh, I have to reread it all the time myself to remind myself of what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pastor Brady, thanks so much for coming in. Appreciate your friendship and leadership in our city. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun to have this conversation with you. Thanks for listening. We hope you have a great night until next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.